when you see the wall, how do you learn how to either stop or slow down so you don't hit the wall so hard that you hurt yourself? Because that's how I stop in ice skating. I I skate and then I slowly or quickly run into the boards. (laughs) Welcome back to In Residence. I'm Keith. And I'm Laura. Hey, Laura. Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Can you believe it's 2024? I can, because I can use the Ship It calendar from Seth Godin. I got us each one. Yeah, you're pretty excited. You're telling me about it today. Yeah, it's a 2024 daily calendar that just has like little motivational things on every day. Okay, give you a little nudge. Ship It. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As is the title. Yeah. It's appropriate. (laughs) So, let's get done with the holidays. And we were thinking that it would be fun to ask each other what was the favorite gift that we gave. Yeah. So do you have one? I think one of the favorite gifts that and it's super, super silly, but I just I couldn't I couldn't help it. It just made me giggle and I had to get it. So I saw a flag on Amazon. And before before I talk about what was on the flag. My parents live kind of in an area where there's lots of wildlife, and so they have squirrels and deer and birds. And anyway, my dad has these raccoons that come and they like come up to their bird feeder and they eat all the bird food and leave. And he's named them Ramona and Randy and all names that start with R. When I was doing my shopping on Amazon, I saw a flag that had a picture of a raccoon in the middle of it that said, live fast eat trash. And it just made me laugh so hard. And I don't even know why. I just thought it was really, really funny. And it was something he didn't ask for. He didn't expect it, but he opened it. And I think he thought it was pretty funny and pretty quirky. And that's exactly what I was going for. So that was probably one of my favorite gifts because it was unexpected and kind of thoughtful, but also fit our style of humor. Hmm. Yeah. How about you? So I was very excited to give and a little nervous to give our boys their first electric guitars. That was interesting. I haven't been nervous to give somebody something. It's like you were nervous? Why were you nervous? I didn't know if they were going to like him. Oh, okay. Because they didn't ask for it. It's more of, I was like, here, this is, you have this now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of it's a little selfish because I'm like, I want you to learn guitar and I want to teach you some stuff. I get to kind of uh, like reinvigorate my interest in playing again too. But it's mostly because I'm excited to kind of nudge them towards it because they've been showing more and more interest in music over the last couple of years. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think they're actually kind of excited to learn. Yeah, I think so. Kind of a fun little thing that I never really thought of before. And then I'm like, oh, I can get them. I can get them guitars. This could be awesome. I hope it's awesome. (laughs) I think I think it went pretty well. I did tell them if they if they play and they like get good at it, I bet that you would make them their own personalized electric guitar. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so as we move forward here, as often as the case when we are thinking about what to talk about, we get a little hung up <laughs> and kind of almost prove the point of why we ought to talk about what we're trying to talk about. <laughs> like we become like our own case study. Um, so we, we came across a few things over the last week or so talking about hitting the wall. And 
we were actually kind of hitting a wall trying to figure out how do we best talk about it. <laughs> we sure did. And I think we got there. I think we're, I think we're there. I think like we, we hashed some things out, you know, and we're kind of like, okay, this is maybe how we want to go about doing this. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been encountering over the last several weeks? Sure. So I, uh, uh, at work and, and I will say in my, our personal life, Mm -hmm. there has been a lot going on. Um, the last couple months have been a lot. There's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of events, quite a bit of travel. And the one thing that I know pretty well about myself is that I can go and go and go and go and go until I am just completely exhausted and hit a wall, right? I was at that point right before our holiday. And I was realizing that I was at that point, but I was already there, just completely exhausted. So when hit the wall, and maybe I can clarify this, I actually had to look it up because it's a typical saying, right? You hit the wall. But it's really originated from marathon runners, right? When they get to a point and it just, it feels like you can't go any further. Yeah, I I experienced that when I was running in high school, but not not marathons by any means. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. But that that wall, that kind of, it's almost, you almost black out. It's just this oh, really, really, yeah. Oh, like, I've I mean, never that's experienced how, that. That's how I experienced it. And that you just can't go anymore. And so you have to back off. You have to, you physically can't keep going. Yeah. And so I thought it was interesting because I had heard that, but I had forgotten that mm-hmm. that is where the phrase originated from. And now it's used a lot to talk about emotional and burnout, burnout stress, and, yeah. all of that. Yeah. Topics that I think are really prevalent in articles around business and things like that. And I was at that point where I'm feeling I'm feeling more recharged now, mm-hmm. but I was really at the point where I knew I needed to step back a little bit and regroup <laughs> yeah. because I was really exhausted. Well, and it was even like the cookie stuff, right? I think we, oh. I think we even talked about it. Right. It's like, I'm like, maybe scale back. <laughs> let's, let's create some space. Let's create some time. Yeah. Right? And because I was traveling quite a bit in December, yeah, the things that we typically do on weekends became consolidated. So instead of a day and a half of being able to have space to do gingerbread house making, we squished it into an afternoon right? because it had to happen after a work event, right? Yeah. And cookie making, where typically I'll do it a couple weekends before and kind of space things out. I had to go to a conference and traveled all day on one of the days. On the weekend, I typically would do it. So you're right that it just, even the things that I love to do around the holidays, I found that I was trying to squish the same amount of things even if it was a smaller amount of the same things, mm-hmm. but I still trying to do all the things. And so by the time I got to that first get together, I was really tired. Yeah. I, I was on social media and I saw a post from Mel Robbins and we love Mel. Mm-hmm. She had posted something, just a little video saying that she was talking to a friend and that she had hit the wall. And her friend said, well, sometimes when you hit the wall, or are going to hit the wall, sometimes you just need to lean against the wall. Or that's the reason the wall is there. 
Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought that was so beautiful that sometimes, sometimes you need to give yourself permission yeah. to lean against the wall. It's like an epiphany, right? Like, oh, wait, I can do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I thought that was something for me that I really, really needed in that moment. Yeah. Like a little nudge, like, hey. It spoke to you like it's one of those things that you sent it to me and I, I just did. and I like send back like a thumbs up or like a 100% <laughs> thing like, emo, you know, I did at, at the moment I needed to hear it. Yeah. And so did you lean on the wall here? <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I did lean on the wall. The, the nice thing about my work is we we do remote days for most offices between Christmas and New Year's. So the. All of last week, although I worked, I worked remotely, so I didn't have a commute. I actually blocked off the week for no meetings because I knew I needed to take the time to do the work that I needed to do. And what I, what I mean by that, maybe I can dig a little deeper, mm-hmm. is typically day to day, I'm booked pretty much straight with meetings all the way from the morning, all the way into the evening or early evening. Mm -hmm. Because of that, that means I don't have a lot of additional time to do strategic work, to do planning, to do the bigger things that need to get done. So in the future, things are going to be set up well. So I keep moving forward. Exactly. So although I can handle the crises that are happening, although I can work through the numerous emails and try and respond as fast as I can, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing the work that is going to set us up for long term. And I like that stuff. I like doing that strategic, deeper work yeah. that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And in my role as a leader, it's incredibly necessary and make the time and the space to do it. Sometimes I'm able to find time on a weekend morning or in an evening, but where I was at from an energy depletion standpoint, I didn't have, I hit the wall where I would bring something home and I'm like, I just can't, I just can't make myself do it. And I know that sounds maybe like an excuse. And at the same time, that's why the message of simply lean against the wall when you hit the wall was powerful for me. Because it gave me permission to set up my week last week in a way that was going to help me do what I needed to do, give myself grace, and recharge so I can hit the ground running this upcoming week. And so how did that go? Like, how did that feel? I mean, you did it. It did. But did anything like pop up to the surface? Uh, Any feelings of I'm not doing enough or anything like that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it did. I I mean, I I actually was feeling very very mm, what's the word guilty. I was feeling guilty for not being super responsive on my email. And so what I actually did is I worked on the projects that needed to get worked on without the internet on. I disconnected from the internet. <laughs> So I couldn't okay. get. <laughs> I don't think you told me that. I don't think I did. Interesting. So I didn't get the constant notifications yeah. of emails, and I I actually turn off most of my notifications because the interruptions I found pull my attention in different directions when I'm not in a time and a space to do anything about it. 
So I have most of my notifications off, but it's still very easy to go and pop into email and start working through that than doing the work when you're trying to ideate and think strategically. Mm-hmm. And so it went okay. I did that. I made some progress on projects. One thing I did do near the end of the week a couple times, and I don't think I told you this either, I was was feeling pretty guilty for not focusing on cleaning up my inbox mm. and getting that really squared away. And so what I did a couple of the days, I would set my alarm for 60 minutes. And I said, okay, you have the next 60 minutes to do as much cleanup as you possibly can in your inbox. Wow. So I did that a couple times. Oh my God. On the last couple of days. Did That's I tell you? I didn't no, tell you that. No, you didn't. But like multiple 60 minute chunks. Oh, that's yeah. a lot of email. Oh, <laughs> oh, gross. Yes. It's so gross. I know. I know. <laughs> email is, is an amazing uh, invention and a great way to be nimble when you're communicating with people, but it's also, a, it can be a lot. It can be a lot. Talking about permission, and that's mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yeah? Yeah. Why is it interesting? Because I think I want to be like empowered to not need somebody to give me permission to do something. But I think I'm kind of looking for people to give me permission, nudge me or prop me up or be like, yeah, you can go do that. It's it's almost like affirmation in a way too, or like reassurance. Because it's, it, uh, it, it just kind of all goes hand in hand in my head, waiting for permission kind of thing mm-hmm. versus giving myself permission. Right. Kind of. Well, What's interesting, though, is I used to seek permission from my supervisors to step away or to take a vacation. I'm not good at taking my vacation days. I'm not good at when I'm sick, not throwing a mask on and going to the office because who else is going to do the thing that needs to get done, right? Mm -hmm. The hardest, and I've always found when I ask for permission, nine times out of 10, 98% of the time, somebody will be like, yeah, do it. Take care of yourself. I mean, I I really haven't had many bosses or peers or anybody that said, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. The hardest person to get permission from I found is me. And I don't, I don't know if that's because of a combination of perfectionism, high expectations, imposter syndrome. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the hardest person to give me permission to take a break and step back is me. It always is. Right. And so then that kind of brings it back around to the thing that you say to me is like, be kind to yourself, be generous (laughs) with yourself. Right. Let yourself lean, lean a little bit and recharge, recalibrate, wait till you're ready to move forward. I mean, I I know it's connected, but you need to, you need to be generous with yourself, right? Right. You have to own that. Right. It's true. It kind of makes me think a little bit of an analogy, perhaps. You know how to skate. You played hockey growing up. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of open skates in my day. I mean, when you grow up in a small town in Wisconsin, I mean. You got the rink. (laughs) You got the rink and you got to go to open skate. Yeah. Right. And got to go cheer on the hockey team. It's just how it is. I wasn't very good at skating. I didn't need like little bar or like Hmm. a uh, chair. A a chair. A chair or like a bar pushing (laughs) around the rink. I didn't need that. I didn't know how to skate backwards. You know how to skate backwards. Seen you. Uh It's magnificent. (laughs) I'm actually jealous. Should be. (laughs) But I I can skate forwards and it makes me think about kind of seeing because I think the next step, and you and I have talked about this, is you have the wall, you hit a wall 
and you give yourself permission to lean, which I think is really powerful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But what is what about the next phase of when you see the wall? How do you learn how to either stop or slow down so you don't hit the wall so hard that you hurt yourself? Because that's how I stop in ice skating. I I skate. And then I slowly or quickly run into the boards <laughs> and it can hurt yeah. or it can look graceful. It depends, it depends on how fast I'm going. I mean, the goal is typically to go slowly towards where the bench is, be able to pop open the door, jump out and sit on the bench for a little while to rest my insteps. Right. I would usually just hop over the boards. You're so fancy. I'm like a fancy schmancy skater. Yeah. I probably can't do that anymore. I'd probably probably tear something. (laughs) I think what I'm I'm trying to to ask and maybe dig into, because as as you know, as I know, I'm not always very good about knowing when it is I'm gonna hit a wall. I would say I am like the ice skater that is going super fast. It's like, oh shoot, there's the boards. Whack. Yeah. Because by the time I hit the wall and by the time I hit that level of burnout and exhaustion, it's too late to save myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, without some acceptance and self-care, right? And grace. Yeah. Is there a way to notice sooner that you're getting to that point? And if you can notice sooner that you're getting to that point, what are some things that you can do to slow yourself down or to maybe, I don't want to say reverse course, but do you know what I'm saying? Slow, slow yourself down. So it's a, it's a easy landing kind of thing. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be so bumpy, right? We don't, it doesn't have to be all in all intensity all the time. Like that's not healthy for us. Right. That's how I think about it. But I also kind of, we're a little opposite, right? Where I'm, I'm slow to start. Like I'm, I'm not as, I need a little more of like the, the nudge to get going and you need the nudge to slow down. So we, yeah. we might come at this from, from different angles a little bit, you know, like we have a little, little different lived experiences when it comes to these types of things. But I do get the over, when I get the overwhelm of not knowing the next step, that's like my hitting a wall. Yeah. So it's a little different. That's different for you. Yeah. I mean, to me, it, it it's kind of like, I, I mean, I want this to come out sounding like kind and, and doable, but it, and not so heavy, but it's like, you need the awareness, right? But like, that's a skill too. Like, how do you notice? <laughs> like noticing things is a skill. And and I think we're, we both notice things and maybe sometimes different things or sometimes we miss things. Right. But, right. but that's, it's, it's, it's worth improving how well we notice when we're getting close to that time when we need a, a rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we talked about it a little bit before self-care, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's important to make that part of your routine, I think. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of what do they call it? Uh, what do they call it? interventions? There's all there's like there's all strategies. Kind of, yeah, there's all there's. I mean, there's multiple strategies to take better care of yourself, right? But what are the ones that you're actually going to do? Right. And I mean, the biggest thing is like, do you have, do you simply need to get more in tune with how you're feeling? So that's one thing actually for me that I'm wanting to pay attention to is simply noticing how am I feeling in the morning. Like, am I, did I talk about this before on no, here? No, I don't think so. I want to start in my, in my journaling. I, I want to make note of several different things. Like what's my water intake for the day? Did I get movement? Kind of getting in touch with how I'm feeling. And then another one that I heard was someone was like, 
do you feel happy in the morning or are you like meh? And and simply just paying attention to that yeah. could be a really good indicator to like how you're doing. Oh, like <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling. Uh no, I mean, I think it is good to be in tune with where you're at. I know I know for myself this fall, multiple times, you know, I had a couple like a vacation day here or a vacation day there, but then at least half of them. I worked two thirds, if not the entire day in some way, not normally with meetings, but normally with trying to get projects done Mm -hmm. so I could simply stay afloat. Yeah. And I know for me, one of the signs kind of being in tune with myself is that if I have planned vacation days and I end up working a full vacation day, I know that that is a sign that something isn't quite, quite going well from a, a, um, workload standpoint because it depletes it just depletes me so if i either work my vacation days or stop taking them i know that is one sign that i'm like whoa 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 hold on you need to check in check in with yourself here is it uh i'm thinking about like you know we we both you've journaled for a long time right i've picked it back up over the the holidays i went from writing two to three pages a morning to like, sometimes it was like two sentences, Mm -hmm. but I was still doing it. So I didn't, I wasn't prioritizing that time. For me, it's more of a check-in with myself. It's kind of what, like, like I was saying, like, how am I feeling? Uh, You know, wanting to just check in with myself. I think you tend to do that a little more. I mean, and it's like, that's like, that's planned time for you Mm -hmm. to journal. Is that more important than maybe we're allowing ourselves to like accept journaling? Yeah, because to me that's a way to when I th- when I think about it a little more, it's it's like when I think of like the cycle of like a project, right? It's like okay, you do the work, you ship ship the product, and then you reflect, and then you do it again. And so like the journaling is like the reflection, and can you make improvements if you don't reflect? So I I mean not unless somebody does it for you, right? In some version. Right. Whether it's from comments or conversation or Yeah. I mean, I guess to that I would then that makes me say like, you know, it's kind of like it's my responsibility to like I shouldn't be waiting for other people. Yeah. To do it, you know. Not that I don't want to count on other people. I'm just saying like everyone else has their own stuff going on. I need to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah, well, and and journaling's a really I I think it's a really good way to do that and to reflect and I actually approach it a lot like you do or are thinking of doing where I go, okay, how am I feeling today? Let's just start there. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm downloading my thoughts. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I'll, I'll start out my journal. I'm really tired today. I didn't sleep well. I don't want to be up. I didn't want to row. I, (laughs) you know, sorry, that was probably really loud. So sometimes I just simply start there of from doing one thing that I think is kind of a, it's a powerful question that I've been tapping into if I feel stuck or near the end of my journaling, once I kind of get through kind of how am I doing? What am I thinking? Is there anything I'm anxious about? Is there anything I'm excited about? Is there anything I need to do some pre-thinking about today? All those things. But one of the questions that I ask myself near the end of my journaling session is what do I need to hear today? Mm. What do I need to hear today? I think the really cool thing is I always answer myself and have a good answer, even though it's such an open-ended question. There's always something that comes out that guides me that day. 
I think that that's a really important tool of using journaling as a way to reflect, check in with yourself, be that support person for you. Mm -hmm. Like I think is kind of what you were talking about a little bit. Yeah. Right. Not waiting for permission from others or the support from others because everyone's got their stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, if we've said it before, it's like, if you take care of yourself, you can take care of others. Mm -hmm. And the extension of that, I guess, is, and if you're taking care of others, then they're maybe more able to help you when you need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's cyclical, I think. Journaling, for me, is one way that I can be kind of my own canary in a coal mine when it comes to hitting a wall. If I think about that, I can notice things coming out there. I'm like, ooh, okay. Well, that's kind of why I brought it up. Yeah, where I can go, oh, gosh, it looks like I, I'm I'm really hanging on to having to work a full day when I took vacation. Not that that's, sh- I mean, don't get me wrong. Lots of people do that. I'm not trying to be whiny. <laughs> but when I'm noticing something like that, I'm like, okay, I'm being my own little scientist, right? And figuring out what are the clues that something is just a little off or where are clues of I need to do a little bit more self-care here to keep myself from smashing into the boards. <laughs> so that's kind of why I was bringing it up. Cause I, I, I was thinking that, Oh, you, you've had a practice of journaling for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. very regularly. I don't know the last time you missed a day. I don't know if you do actually, mm. I would think you would remember cause it would be so rare that you'd be like, I don't want that day to repeat. You know, I don't want to <laughs> miss another day, you know, but I think it's been a pretty long time. Yeah. I, I've been journaling for at least a couple of years. And I played with it, but I'm part of a group and we have a 100, no, one year challenge. I was on day, I think it was 45 of 365 today. And before that, we completed a 100 day challenge. So for sure, it's been 145 days. Um, you've, you've been doing it longer. Yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years. I brought that up because I was like, oh, there's probably a lot of data there to show how you're feeling or doing. And so like you just said, you can kind of see when it's coming, the when you're when you're going to maybe burn out or just have no energy left, right? Yep. And it still happens. Right. And so is there like a plan that you're thinking of implementing to to help give yourself permission to like, oh, I'm sensing this. I can see it cuz I'm documenting it. What are some protocols for me? Mm-hmm. To slow me down uh, before I hit the wall. <laughs> <laughs> before I, before I hit the wall. <laughs> uh, I know one thing that works for me, but I I don't do it as often as I should. Being outside, mm. nature, I think, is incredibly helpful. So whether it's spending half a day gardening or even mowing the lawn after a long day at work, these don't sound like winter activities. Okay, so hmm, <laughs> winter activities, going for a walk. Is that better? Sure, as long as it's not too icy that you fall, right? That's true. I'm That's kidding. Fair. That's I'm being funny. I'm like, I'm like, you can shovel, like, shovel all the snow. We yeah. don't have a lot of snow this year yet. I had to shovel the other day. I was not used to it. Mm. Yeah, last year we had lots of practice shoveling, but <laughs> being outside, I think, is helpful. Winter is a little trickier, but spring through fall, all of those things, walking in the woods is great. Just going on a walk. Sometimes when I'm at work, if there's just a lot or say I'm in the middle of writing. So if I'm trying to write something and I've hit 
hit the wall from, I have no idea what to write next, where to go, what to work on, just very overwhelmed. I'll just get outside and take a lap around campus or walk up to a coffee shop and back. Something like that, just to break up the energy. I've been trying to do that just here every hour, every like 45 minutes to an hour. I try to just get up and whether I hang on the pull-up bar or do some push-ups or something. And then I've been trying to remember to use my standing desk (laughs) and actually I can actually, whoa, hey, you don't have to sit at the desk. You can stand. But yeah, that nature and movement, I think, tend to be, tend to go together. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get outside a little more and maybe get back to like getting the morning sun right away to help kind of, they say it kind of like sets your clock a little bit or something, your internal clock. Anyway, what else? What else you got? One other thing I know that that I like to do when I'm when I've just exhausted is take a step back, regroup and prioritize and really think about, okay, what is it that's necessary to be done? What is it that's nice to be done? And what are the things that I can just take longer on? Because everything, everything can get pushed into this super urgent category. Mm hmm. Right. But that doesn't necessarily help. It doesn't really help you not get completely exhausted if you take everything that you think is a priority and then take everything everyone else thinks is a priority or should be your priority. There's just not enough hours in the day to accomplish all of it at the same level of importance. So you need to get better. Not I don't mean you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like we are. <laughs> Yeah. Or like the like the royal we. What do you think of the idea? Because I like you know prioritizing, right? Mm-hmm. Helps alleviate some of the stress of the pressure of all of the things, right? It's like, well, right. you can only do one thing at a time, and right now I'm going to do this one thing, and then later I'm going to pause that, and I'm going to go to the next thing, you know? Because in in an ideal world, you could work on one thing until it was complete, right? But you have a lot of things in the fire, right? Yep. What what about the idea of getting better at saying no, right? What? That's something What's that, that word? Yeah. <laughs> it's like on, but switched oh, around. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh what I so I have to remember what you're gonna say. Oh, I don't know. oh no. Okay. I always um I heard at a um workshop once that somebody said you had to be really careful. To not have a helium hand. And I was like, what is a helium hand? Imagine a helium balloon tied to your hand. And somebody says, who wants to coordinate that event? And all of a sudden, up uh, goes your hand. Oh, geez. Yeah. So they didn't use the word no, but they said, be aware of your helium hand, which yeah. I thought was kind of funny. Anyway. So, so you were asking about what, what about the option of saying no? Well, I think I'm, I'm bringing up the kind of the distinction between yes and no right or where are we giving our attention and that there's only so much of it to go around before we're depleted right and so saying no is i think hard for us like where we come from oh it's really hard and yet it's i think a necessary skill if you want to call it that because then we can say yes to like the actual important things right not Mm -hmm. the things that we think are important but right aren't yeah that's just another thing that I'm thinking of, like, what's another another area to, to work on to help 
alleviate the 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 weight of why you have to lean right and relax like there like one there's nothing wrong with that right. so getting that through to like my brain like it's okay <laughs> like for me it's a little different me it's like dude you've been leaning for a while how about you get your feet moving and do something that i mean that's historically there's a long period of time where it was harder for me to get motivated to do something not so much now but I might not say no to certain things that get in my way just as much as I used to. Right. How does it feel for you to say no? I I honestly, I don't like saying no to things. I've gotten better at it. I think I've tried to balance it because sometimes there are things that people ask you to do or ask you to go to that you don't necessarily, you could see yourself spending your time in a different way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the relationship is important to you. And so you want to show up for them. Mm. Right. But there are sometimes, so here I'll give you maybe an example. My family are huge. We're huge Badger fans and child one loves football. Child two kind of digs football too. He likes it more than he thinks. I think so. Yeah. My parents love to go to games. So we were going to go to, when we went to the Packers and the Chargers game that weekend, that Saturday before the Sunday game, uh, my parents were interested. They wanted to have uh, child one and I drive down from Green Bay to Madison to go to Camp Randall to go to a Badger game and then drive back for the Packer game on Sunday. And in theory, could it have worked time-wise? Yes. Did I know that if we tried to do that, we would be completely depleted and tired and exhausted. Yes. So instead of going to Green Bay with your parents and child one and child two for the Chargers game, going to Madison, coming back, going to the church, you know, going across the state again, we simply said no. Or I, I said, no, that's just not going to work. And I felt so bad for saying no. But then I thought about it too. I was saying no to going to the Badger game in the middle of a weekend we are going to be having in Green Bay with your parents and your family. Mm -hmm. And so I was saying yes to that time and no to one additional thing that we'd squeeze into a weekend where if it was a free weekend, maybe it would have been a yes. But mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's not the best example, but it was something that kind of came to my mind of saying no to one thing so you could create space for another. Another example was I know there's a couple times when we've been planning to record an episode of the podcast and we've gotten invites over to family or to friends. We've had to say no, or we can, but it can't be until four or, you know, something like that. So we, we kind of set our terms and our mm -hmm. schedule because we've committed to doing this project together. And so I think that's another example where we're a little bit more clear I think the hard thing is my examples, though, if I'm I'm noticing it, my examples are saying no to one thing so you can do another thing. And what would happen to say no to something so you can take care of yourself, not do a project, not do a thing. Right. So how are you going to set the terms <laughs> for that? Right. And that that one's really tricky for me. That one's really tricky for me. Because it feels selfish. Because it feels selfish. It feels a little dirty to do that. And that's that's not good. We've, we talked about this a couple episodes ago a little bit, right? Uh, so that's why it's interesting that we're still talking about it. It's like, well, we still need to work on it. 
(laughs) (laughs) But I think the hard thing is if you don't take time for yourself, or I'll use I statements, if I don't take time for myself, I know I'm going to hit that wall. I know that my morning routine, that movement, that self-care, self-love, relaxing, puzzling, I know getting outside, I know all those things are kind of protective factors against burnout and against complete stress exhaustion. And so you're implementing those before, like not while you're leaning on the wall, but before, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you just got to make sure you keep implementing those. Right. And I will say there was maybe about a month ago. So maybe this goes back to noticing, right? Being your own canary in a coal mine. I don't know if that's the best saying, but mm. being your own scientist, that better? When I notice that I start encroaching on my morning routine in one of two ways, I start staying up later so I can't get up in time for my morning routine. And I just set my alarm a little bit later. Or If I get up to do my morning routine and then I only give myself one of my normal two hours and I spend the second hour doing work or doing something for someone else that isn't my morning routine and my my stuff. So that means I'm cutting my movement short. That means I'm writing like a paragraph of journaling. Nothing wrong with doing that, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing it because I have to or I feel like I have to do a PowerPoint presentation or have to do, you know, that's when it starts feeling like it's encroaching upon the protective thing. Helps me keep showing up and not have burnout. I don't remember if we talked about this. I'm just going to talk about it, okay? We are recording this episode on a Sunday night. Well, no, on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Monday evening. Yep. But it is on the eve of going back to work. And even though I worked last week, I was at home, so there wasn't a commute. I didn't have to bring child one to school, things like that. Yeah. So it's on the eve of life back to normal, right? Mm -hmm. School drop-off, commute, showing up at work, doing the meetings, rinse, repeat. I'm having a little bit of a sense of, um, sometimes they call them the Sunday scaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Did we talk about this before? Might have mentioned it, but like the little bit of a not wanting to go back. <laughs> I'm having, yeah, I'm having a little bit of the Sunday scaries. Yeah. And not because I'm anxious about anything in particular or scared of something, but maybe at my core, I am concerned about feeling like I'm right back at the place when I left. Of too much to do. Of too much. Not enough time. Not enough time, too much to do, a lot of pressure. And yeah, I'm, ha- I'm feeling that kind of hard right now. Mm. And um, I know that there's things to, to do to address that. Mm-hmm. And I think I just kind of want to work, work through it. And I will say, so this is something that's a little new for us or for me, for us today is uh, we decided to do dry January Mm -hmm. as a team, as a couple, just to really reset our relationship with alcohol and kind of start the year off right with cleansing, like a little bit of a cleanse from that uh, habit, I think, that we've had. Yeah, reset. Just like a reset, right? Because then we can kind of determine what sort of base it has in our life. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I think that there's like one of my strategies I'm I'm now realizing with the Sunday scaries is to have just a glass of wine mm-hmm. and watching a show or watching a football game yep. with a beer. Mm-hmm. And today I won't be doing that. And so I wonder if I'm feeling a little harder because kind of my, my, uh, Security blanket. Security blanket. Um, I don't know if that's the appropriate term. But I don't know if it is actually, but but do you know what I'm saying? It's a habit. It's familiar. It's familiar. It's like a, yeah. And so I think that's going to be a little interesting as we go into the evening here mm-hmm. is, is thinking through that too. Because when we went up to have a little supper, I looked at the clock and I thought, oh man, only four more hours of my day off here. On a holiday. Mm, ooh. Yeah, I haven't haven't had that feeling in a while, but I yeah. know exactly the feeling you're talking about. And I love what I do. And I yeah. love who I work with. That's so don't get me wrong, it's not about that. I don't I'm not quite sure. I think again, I think it's going back to that feeling of I hope to goodness I feel refreshed. Or I hope I took enough time and did enough strategic work that I feel centered again. Do you feel centered? Hmm. I don't know if I do. Not quite. Okay. Well, and I, I mean, I took one vacation day mm-hmm. in November. I took one vacation day in December. Sorry, I'm feeling whiny. So stop listing off things okay. for a second. You can cut that out. <laughs> well, so I was trying to ask you something mm-hmm. and, and we can cut it out if it like, okay. cause I feel like I'm about to say something that you tend to say, like, you know, why are you saying that to me? But if you're, so if you're not feeling centered, what's the shift that's going to take place to, to do that? Because it's going to have to be like waiting for a holiday isn't a strategy, right? Yeah. Waiting for the pre-approved normal time that everybody gets off isn't a strategy for you. Like, yeah, you have to shift your schedule or, or make the space, make the room for the things that are going to allow you to do that. And I don't like, I don't want that to feel like I'm lecturing you on it. Cause I need the same voice in my head telling me to, if you want the thing to happen, you need to do it. That can sound a little oppressive and a little bullying in a way, but it's not how I'm meaning it. I'm meaning like more of like, Oh, it's within my power to create my schedule. Mm-hmm. And I deserve to create one that's going to serve me and and serve me well, yeah, and set me up to succeed. It's kind of where I'm trying to come from, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's tricky. So just tiny little shifts, like you were saying, or no, I think I wrote this down. It's like I I need to be more of a tester. I need to test things out and see what works. Like we're testing out how it's going to feel for a month of no alcohol. Yeah. And it might turn into two months. It might turn into three. I don't know. I think maybe find some ways to test different different uh, techniques to stress relief, center yourself, whatever. However you want to describe that, right? Like, I don't want that to feel daunting and overwhelming, though. No. So I'm afraid that sometimes when I bring this stuff up, like, I, I'm going to solve the problem. Like, I'm not trying. I don't want to be that. <laughs> no. I mean, one thing I've done is I have blocked off my calendar. To create more space for me to not just be back-to-back meetings. Yeah. I've also blocked off some vacation days through the end of the term. Well, that's good. But I need to take them. Where I get stuck is not by putting them on my calendar early enough. 
It's that I always go, well, maybe I won't take that vacation day and I'll just use it to get projects done that have to get done. So to me, that's a signal that you're undervaluing your time. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Well, and I think, I think one thing I know that I like to travel and I like to go places at the same time, having a staycation never really works well for me. Mm hmm. Because a staycation means that I'm here, and sometimes that means I can work or I can do project work that's not meeting work on my time off. And I think what is interesting, I was talking to my dad about this, about vacations, Mm -hmm. and he was saying the reason why when I was growing up, he liked to take vacations and get out of town is because if he didn't get out of town, he was reachable. He was reachable. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. I'm like, yeah. like I already knew what you were going to be saying. Like yeah. I knew that I knew the punchline to this is so I'm like, yeah. Oh, it just finally clicked in my head. No wonder she likes going places is because if you're not available, you're not available. Exactly. You aren't so many miles that you can just run over. Yeah. Right. Um, my dad used to say, so, I mean, several years ago now, but if he was just on vacation in town, he was still expected to go in, do rounds do hospital, you know, do visits. And it's not that he didn't want to do those things, but it's also not a vacation, right? You can still be a nice person and still want space for yourself. Did you hear that? No. You should say it again so you hear it. You can still be a nice person and take time for yourself. I will say I am working through a book and I'm very early in it. Now I can't remember the title. Do you remember it? Not nice. Is it that one? Should I look? Yeah. Because I picked it up. I was, I was, when I was cleaning, I saw it. So the book that I'm starting is called Not Nice, Stop People Pleasing, Staying Silent and Feeling Guilty and Start Speaking Up, Saying No, Asking Boldly and Unapologetically Being Yourself. And it's by Dr. Aziz Gazipura. It sounds like that's going to hit on a lot of things that we were just trying to talk about. Yes. <laughs> not nice. Stop people pleasing. And I will say, I work on this a lot with my coach, not people pleasing. She will say that not saying something is actually not being nice. Yeah. Right? Not saying what you actually want or what you're actually thinking is actually withholding your truth and withholding information that you have that could help someone. That's like a, a poke the box thing. Yeah. That one, that thing that stuck out to me so much from that. Yeah. She always will tell me people pleasing is not kind. I, I mean, if you think about it, it is true. I mean, if say somebody agreed to do something for you or show up at your thing and then you find out later they told a friend that they never really actually wanted to go, that they didn't have time, that they really just needed time to re- rest. Mm-hmm. They went because they felt obligated. Wouldn't you feel like crap? Yeah, that feels worse than the good part of them showing up, right? Yeah, I think it's better that That's the thing I'm trying to work through. It's better to be honest and let people live with the disappointment of the no than say yes disingenuously. Mm -hmm. Anyway. That's something to ponder. I'm working through it, though. Yeah. Definitely working through it. I think the book is going to help me be unapologetically me. (laughs) Look out. (laughs) Oh, goodness. The other thing that I'm thinking about right now, too, is January for us is typically a slower month. Our family who live in the area are often traveling Mm -hmm. or doing their thing, right? Doing their own things. 
So it's a time I really look forward to because it's cold. So we kind of hunker down, have fires in the fireplace, puzzle, listen to music, build Lego, read all of those things. And the nights are still fairly dark here. <laughs> I think it's getting lighter now each Every day, a little day, bit. Yeah. We're gaining a little bit. Yeah. But it does make me think of of that idea of like um oh I'm trying to remember how to say it. it's like huga huga or all those fun kind of I I think they're fun because I'm Scandinavian so all of those books around taking comfort in the darkness mm. surrounding yourself with candles and light and warmth like tea and cocoa and warm comfort blankets and really soft slippers and you know Mm -hmm. so i think that's another thing where i think january gives me a sense to recharge and recenter because we aren't we aren't winter outdoors people really right yeah we don't go on snowmobiles and we don't like ski much no i mean i haven't skied in like 20 some plus years i probably haven't either yeah be fun to take the boys but Anyway, so I guess I'm saying that too, because there is something that in the dark of winter, when it's cold and snow's falling and it's blowing, there is something also very renewing and centering around simplicity and warmth and light and growth. Although I feel like I hit a wall at the end of December, I do feel the hope that January is bringing. I may have a sense of the Sunday scaries. (laughs) or Monday scaries today. But I also believe that there's a sense of renewal and that I can really sink into that comfort of home and family and warmth and light. Anything else you have to add? No. So let's wrap it up with talking about something that we are reading, listening to, consuming. Keith, what have you been engaging with this week? been listening to a few audiobooks and podcasts and some music, but the thing that stood out that I forgot to mention to you was American Glutton podcast again with Ethan Supley. Mm-hmm. And he had John Glaude, a certified nutrition coach on, and he, he was starting to kind of talk through his, his story and how he lost weight or, and then kind of how people talk about it. And he said, now most people, they'll fall off the wagon and they'll start walking backwards and like wave by to the wagon. And he said, what I want people to think of is you're the one driving the wagon. So when, when you fall off, the wagon stops. So get back on. Mm-hmm. I like it. So that was, it. that was in, I think I wrote it down like in one of my, my notebooks and I was like, oh, that's a really good kind of empowering thing of like, okay, something happened, get up and just pick up where you left off and, and just restart. So <laughs> I like that. You can really visualize. I thought you were going to say run after the, the wagon, like it's a runaway wagon. No, no. Uh, so that was the most poignant thing I think that I, that I heard in the last week. What about you? What have you been getting into? I have been continuing the wiser than me podcast. Oh, yeah. It is so good. Cleaning my office one night. And I think I made it through at least like four or five episodes. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I also have been reading the book, It's the Manager Moving from Boss to Coach by Jim Clifton. Mm. It's a book that is grounded in Strengths Finder and Gallup, the research Gallup has done. So I'm reading that one to help frame some things at work. It's 
it's a, it's a really good book. The other thing, I'm kind of late to the party on two different shows that I'm enjoying. I started watching The Mindy Project, Mindy Kaling. Very, very good. I don't think I told you that. I saw it on the list. Did you? Ah, can't hide anything with Netflix. <laughs> uh, and then Suits. And I, I kind of pulled you into that with me as well. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah. So I guess I've been engaging with quite a bit of content across <laughs> various forms of delivery. Apparently. It's good. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks, everybody. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.